Welcome to Filmstrip, movie reviews presented by Continuous Play Podcast. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Nick. And this is our review of Jaws 3, or 3D, if you haven't sketched it that way, starring Dennis Quaid, Bess Armstrong, John Putch, Simon McCorkendale, and Louis Gossett Jr., directed by Joe awesome. Alves. Released in 1983 on a budget of $18 million, grossed $87.9 million in its box office run. And I'm proud to say myself, my brother, my father, and my mother were probably about 20 bucks of that. Because we saw this opening weekend as a family at the local theater, Nick, in where I grew up in, in the South here. And I, I remember going to the theater... It's my first 3D movie because I'd heard about this from my parents. They say, oh, it's awesome. All this stuff comes out at you. And they had this big, like, long banner outside of the uh, theater with the, the Jaws 3D clamping teeth titles. And the, the uh, 3D glasses were, like, had shark fins on them. I mean, it was crazy, man. It was, it was nuts. I remember this distinctly coming out and thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then I saw it. And have seen it many times since, so we'll we'll get into that as we go through. But uh, <laughs> what I, was your if you can go back, you know, twenty, you know, thirty years? Do yeah. you remember? Do you do remember what your reaction was walking out of that theater? I mean, you had to be a little. Yeah, I mean, thirty was, years ago, what, what were you? I was 24? seven. I was seven. <laughs> so actually, at that point, I remember. Thinking that the, cause spoiler alert, the shark dies at the end of this, uh, the shark teeth flying out at me was a pretty crazy looking thing. And that I was, I was like, wow. And I remember just being blown away by the visual of it for a seven year old. When I saw it again, oh, I had to be a year or two later when it came on television or HBO or whatever it was. And I, I thought about it. I was like, this is, this is kind of dumb. And <laughs> I've sort of, held that now that didn't keep me from owning this on vhs and dvd and you know things like that through the years but uh this one is a uh it's a funny one for me a weird one because i watched it that one time in theater and then i watched it again i didn't watch this again until i was gosh probably out of high school and at that point it was I, I was watching things with actors that I knew from other stuff at that point dennis quaid had done a lot of other things i knew Bess armstrong from other things at that point um I was never really Leia, a John Leia Touch Thompson. Fan. Leah Thompson, of course, I knew from other stuff. Gossett Jr., I knew from, you know, Iron Eagle, which is my favorite thing he's ever done. Sorry, Roots and Officer and a Gentleman. And all this other stuff I'd seen. So going back to this one is a little weird. And also, I saw one of those documentaries early on where they talk about how this was supposed to be a parody movie called Jaws Three People Zero, and then that got shut down by Spielberg and other people and they tried to make a 
quote, serious one. And so um, also ruined when I finally got to go to SeaWorld and I realized that Orlando's landlocked. Yeah, kind of a problem. But um, I didn't know that at the time. So I it, all, it all depends on the time of the year. I think after the hurricanes and stuff, sometimes it's not landlocked, but that could be. Could be true. So as is. But now, of course, I, you did not see this in theaters. Were you even born in 1983? I was born in 1983, but not when this movie came out. I was born in December of 1983. Okay. So, so. Yes, yes. I, I, I was, I guess, depending on your political affiliation, uh, I was either alive or not alive. So You, you were in your egg uh, stasis uh, station of gestation. In I was in my, yeah, I was in my uh, pupil stage at this point. Yes, you were growing. So, yeah. Um, so when did you first see The Jaws 3? I can't tell you exactly when I saw it. I remember seeing it, you know, kind of like with Jaws 2. Like, I think a lot of times these were like kind of double billed on like your USA or TBS or T. I think it was like TNT actually. Uh, so, just kind of one of these movies where, again, just Saturday afternoons by the grandma's house, watching these, or, you know, maybe an afternoon where you're home sick from school and it happens to be on TV. And I remember growing up, I kind of like this movie. I, I like Jaws 2 and 3. I, I, I had really bad taste in movies when I was a kid, and I think all of us do. <laughs> but uh, I, I, yeah, just kind of seen it throughout. A lot of, I don't think I ever like really sat down and watched the entire thing. It's almost like a Christmas story with me where I've never <laughs> sat down and watched the whole thing, but I've seen the whole movie just like in bits and pieces, like kind of like a kind of like a puzzle set where you're able to kind of like you know, I've seen like the first 20 minutes, the last half hour, the middle hour, you know what I mean? Where you can be able to put it all together. But until actually, uh, until we decided to review this movie, that was actually the first time I sat down and watched this thing from beginning to end. And this is the shortest of them, too. I mean, this this one's barely an hour and 40 minutes long. So if you cut out the credits, it's less than that. So, yeah, they it's a totally different feel. Like, from the beginning, I think that you get to the underwater scene. And should be said, if you're one of the unfortunate people like myself that owned this before the advent of good HD transfer and 3D televisions in the late 2000s, you have seen the crappiest version of this you could possibly see because the kind of 3D that it was done on wasn't the kind you could replicate at home at all. And so it, basically the version you saw was half of one lens. <laughs> so the the grain on it is awful. The one I, I watched the one on Netflix is out on the DVD. Like I said, the Netflix one is the cleaned up one. Like it looks nice. I'm like, well, at least they kind of cleaned it up. Maybe it looks nice in comparison. The whole time I'm watching yeah. this, I'm like, my God, this movie looks like shit. I mean, and yeah, they, even... yeah, there's something you can't fix, but they cleaned it a little bit. At least the colors aren't completely washed out. Yeah, and I think, you know, the the thing that's so obvious is, like, you can tell this was filmed for 3D because those matte lines on the oh. 3D stuff, like the catfish oh, yeah. head or an arm <laughs> or a leg, whatever that was, it's like, it looked like someone, like, took, like, a Sharpie marker and, like, outlined it. I mean, it's so obvious. They had so much stuff that was just for the 3D, but I guess we need to do the plot summary before we get any further into this, Nick, so let me let me lay it out here. So a baby great white shark is captured within the gates of Calvin Bouchard's Florida Aquatic Theme Park. SeaWorld. <laughs> yeah. However, the shark's mother is also present and begins a reign of terror after the baby dies in captivity. As patron, 
As patrons are stranded and the massive shark continues to prowl, Mike Brody, who's grown up to be a park engineer, along with his girlfriend, marine biologist Catherine Morgan, before she had an angry teenager in the 90s, and nature photographer Philip Fitzroyce, race to the rescue in an attempt to dispatch the shark. After Fitzroyce is killed and more mayhem, the shark corners everyone in the underwater control room and twirls his mustache before it tells them how they're all going to die. And then Brody uses some quick thinking to pull a pin on a grenade stuck in the shark's teeth left over from Fitzroyce and the giant shark is destroyed along with a lot of the park and Brody and Morgan celebrate with some dolphins as credits roll and their jobs Yay. are over. So, um, I know but, I, I keep on thinking though that that lady's Frances McDormand. <laughs> no, she kind of does look like that but Bess Armstrong was, was you know b- before then I was a fan of hers because of my so-called life. She's the mother on that and I had seen her in a Tom Hanks movie that I really liked called Nothing in common that was out in the middle of 80s so i always liked her and kind of liked her presence on screen and i forever remembered her as the jaws three lady if i ever met her i don't go to cons or anything if i ever met her and i told her that she would probably hit me because i'm sure much like dennis quaid she doesn't want to admit the fact that she was in this but uh, because if you ask quaid he was like no i wasn't in that like he will just disavow it so completely dennis quaid is this is this our first dennis quaid movie I think it is, actually. Of all the 200 and something films we've reviewed, we haven't run across a Quaid yet. And I don't know how that happened, but, uh, you know, it, it comes around. So we well, get there. We'll, we'll have to do the parent trap one day. <laughs> or maybe not. So um, I kind of don't want that to be my first Lindsay Lohan. Uh, so, but anyway. I, I like, though, the setting here, because we talked about, I don't want to go through all the IMDb trivia on you know how the movie came together, but they, they come up, they got to come up with something, and they at least had what I will call a smite of somewhat good idea of, well, how do we make this work? We've already done the drama adventure film. We've already done the slasher movie. And somewhere, someone along the way, and I can never really pin down who it was, if it was Alves who had worked on the other ones, or if it was one of the producers or one of the screenwriters, came up with the idea that we need to make this a disaster movie and we need to trap everybody in a theme park. That idea is at least novel enough to make me go, well, you started with something good. Yeah, here's the problem with that, though. Just get out of the water. You're fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, Sean Brody's the smartest person here. He goes to school in Colorado or something. So he figured out, I got to get away from the water like that. Yeah, and does he like live in Aspen with like the cowboy boots and the hat and everything? I think he goes he to like see a- you. I, I've, I've been to see you. I've seen it. that People dress like that out there. Not that many. The more of them are kind of the hipster tile nowadays but in the 80s yes that would have totally been he would have been urban cowboy I, i'm yes. just no i'm just thinking like dumb and dumber when they go to uh, colorado <laughs> when it's like them walking around town and like everybody's got like the cowboy hats on and the cowboy boots and then they got like the uh the, the like cowskin jackets and everything. I mean, yeah, I guess there's cat cattle. There's cattlers out there and everything like that. But I just find it so funny that he like quickly like absorb you know, like absorb that like image and lifestyle after being like a beach you know beach brat his whole life. Yeah, he's a New England beach guy, right? But he goes he goes cowboy. But as we'll see, Sean's all about the ladies. So uh, we'll we'll I imagine that has something to do with his transformation here. But I I like the idea that we're gonna we're gonna put this here. And look, you you have to realize the half of this movie is a disaster movie, and the other half is a live action commercial for SeaWorld. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna tell you right so. now, though, this movie is a disaster. 
movie. So, yes. But you know what, though? I think you're going to be kind of surprised as we go through this review. <laughs> I, yeah, we're, we'll get into that. But let's talk. Let's just sort of run through the characters that we can get into the plot for better or worse, because it's pretty, pretty simple. SeaWorld. Now, what do you think, uh, besides the idea of get out of the water, what do you think of the idea of let's set this at a theme park and, and kind of trap everybody that way? Uh, I, I guess it's something different in a way. I mean, I kind of see like, okay, we got to change the setting. We can't just do it at a beach or anything like that. So really what else is in the water? Okay. Well, I guess, guess a theme park. Well, I mean, I I think they became aware of, did you know there's a whole ocean theme park in Florida? They knew they wanted to shoot in Florida again because the weather was way better and the shark mechanics you know, had problems anyway, but they could make it work better down there. So they thought, let's shoot in Florida again. And they're like, did you know there's this whole theme park of ocean shit in Florida? <laughs> they decided to go. But if you've ever been to SeaWorld, it's more like going on a science field trip than it is going to Six Flags or something. Like, Yeah, it's kind of like if you could take Disney World and make it like really, really boring and throw a lot of fish in there, That that's SeaWorld. Yeah, it's not – I mean, I've been to a couple of big aquariums. The Georgia Aquarium is really nice and neat. The the one in Chattanooga, the TVA Aquarium is pretty cool. Neat stuff to see. But you're going in there to learn, too. You're not really going in there to, like, see I, – I know Shamu and the, and the whole killer whale you know, show, and they do have that. SeaWorld's always had that. And it's, if you really it's want to get into that – I mean, that's what it is. It's, yeah, it's a zoo. You're going to a, a zoo. Yeah, you're going to a zoo. That's exactly right. It's more like going to a zoo. You don't see the – Hatfield and McCoy dancing pigs show. And I, that seems more Disney and Six Flagsy. It's like they foisted that in there so that people could understand. Because at the time, I don't think people knew SeaWorld that, that much. And then they came well, up with this whole underwater well, SeaWorld, crap. SeaWorld is a brand, though. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like it, it's, it's not a top-tier place. I mean, your top-tier ones are, you know, Disney and Universal Studios. And then you kind of got, like, your next-tier ones, which is, like, your Six Flags, your Bush Gardens. And SeaWorld's kind of like that thing third tier you know what i mean where it's like it's it's nice but it's like no no one ever really plans a vacation to go to sea world it's kind of like well we're gonna do disney and universal and you know maybe we'll throw a day in there we'll go see sea world you know what i mean it's like not a place (laughs) that you ever really are like yeah we're going down to florida to go to sea world well that's like a half a day trip so (laughs) yeah i mean yeah you you can kind of do it in a day and and so oh easily easily do it in a day but my question though too is like as I brought up, you know, SeaWorld is a brand, and it's – why would they attach their name to a movie where they know a shark is going to get into their park and then eat people? I mean, could you think okay. you go to Disney, Disney and say, hey, Disney, we want to put Jason in your theme park. They'd go, you know what? Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. You know what I mean? I just, I just find that absolutely crazy that they would put a movie that's a horror movie – in their theme park and tie their image to that. I just, I find that just befuddling. I I can tell you, I think what they saw here was an opportunity to be a part of the sequel to the biggest sequel to the biggest movie of all time. They thought this is going to put us out there. And if, if it just gets people interested enough to take a drive by at us or something, it's worth the publicity. PT Barnum has always said, there's no such thing as bad publicity. If you know how to use it. Yeah, but they, but they didn't use it right though. I mean, that's the whole thing is like everything in this movie though is, 
problems because of them, because they have incompetent marine biologists. They have bad engineers working there. Yeah, can I tell you, the thing is, if they had any influence on the script, it was how many people actually die. You notice all the deaths are people that, like, in some way deserve it or we can root against. Like, Leah Thompson doesn't even get eaten. She just gets sort of, you know, slashed by the shark. And then there's some random people that get killed. But there's not, like, it's not going to, it doesn't eat, like, 200 tourists. The ones that get trapped by it all get saved. And they get saved by what? The the quick-thinking college intern tour guide, you know? Like, everything bad that happens is because of outside people from the park. Because they make a big point of saying, Bouchard is an entrepreneur who brings this to the park. The park people are, you know, if they had listened to the biologists, the shark wouldn't have died. It's it's all the greedy money people that are ruining everything. So it's not really SeaWorld's fault. That's how SeaWorld's looking at it. And oh, I, I think that's SeaWorld's how they played it off. Fault. They couldn't even get that gate to work. My God. They have <laughs> incompetent people there. And then it's also like, yeah, let's put a great white shark in like a freaking shallow pool that you could put like two-year-olds in the plane. And it's like, yeah, hey. that just shows their competency as being marine biologists. There's a reason why there's no freaking great white sharks at SeaWorld or any type of like sea aquarium or anything like that because you can't house them. No, you can't. And you're right. And I remember distinctly being in Boy Scouts. This was after I'd seen Jaws 3. But I read that Boy Scout magazine that came out. And there's a great story in there. You actually find it online still about a diver who has to go and do what they simulate in this movie of walking a shark. They'd caught a great white shark and they were trying to walk it in this huge tank, much bigger than the goofy when they put this thing in and it gets away from him at one point and he loses his handle on it. And he, it's in the dark. He didn't know where the thing is. And all of a sudden he feels this loud shudder in the, or hears this loud noise in the tank and the shark has rammed itself into the wall and basically stunned itself and it killed itself on accident trying to get out. But it's, it, it was a story that always stuck in my mind because I remember from this movie, they make a big deal out of the fact that, Hey, it's really hard to keep a great white in captivity. I mean, they could, they couldn't even do it in Ace Ventura. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not even going to do that's like comparing Austin powers to James Bond. So let's not do that. But I, I think they're right here with the way they play some of this is that you couldn't tame something like that. But that's exactly what some sort of entrepreneur would want to do. So, yes, is it stupid? Yes. But I get it. I get what they're trying to do with that. And I will say. And they later copied it in Jurassic World. (laughs) Well, yeah, they kind of did. I mean, right. Jurassic Park is a lot of ways Jaws 3. So it's a lot of the same stuff. And it's the whole and the same central theme of that, too, is you shouldn't mesh with science. It's the same stuff here. Did you, did you, have you always known or been aware that the, the guys here, the Brody, that these are the kids grown up from the Amity adventures or did you not realize that? Um, the first couple of times I remember as a kid, I didn't really put that together. I put it together on my last viewing because obviously the last name is Brody and then they do kind of keep on making mentions of an incident back when they were children. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing with the younger Brody not wanting to go into the water unless Leia Thompson's in there in a bikini. So, I mean, there's... Who could blame him, by the way? That's a reason to get in the water. Yeah, it definitely is. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I I was able to put it together that these are the kids and everything like that. But it's I think it's just that they wrote this movie and then I think they just kind of inserted that they are. 
I, I think I think it was a late addition to the to the yeah. script. I think it definitely is something they put in later on to it. But I do think it's kind of smart for anybody that's paying attention enough and wants to know. Yeah, here's what happened to the Brody kids. They grew up. One of them is a you know a builder and a construction you know genius. Which by the way, he had to go to school a long time to learn how to do that stuff. But he's doing that, and he's kind of hooking up with this marine biologist lady and his younger brothers in college. And that's you, we're not going to follow the adventures of the adult Brodies anymore because I mean, who would want to see that? Right. But we, we now are going to follow the a, kids. Shark in a retirement home. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Something, right. I mean, that's sort of where they would have been. I, I was fine with it. I, I mean, I like Dennis Quaid. I think he's a fun enough actor in the right role. I think he's done some really awful films and he's done some pretty good ones too. So, I'm fine with him. The dude that plays his brother, John Putch, I understand he did a lot of TV work in the 70s and 80s. I never watched him. I think he's a director in his own right now. Good for him. But I don't really, I didn't really get anything off of, of them. I, I thought it was nice to have the older brother, younger brother thing, though, because I have an older brother, and the distance in age is about the same as the Brody kids are supposed to be here. So I I can kind of dig that and dig the dynamic, but there's I didn't need it to be them. It could have just been two other people for all I cared. They're not even the yeah. most interesting characters. That's the thing. The most interesting character is the one played by by Lewis Gossett Jr. Can we agree on that? That Bruchard is is so deliciously awful in this movie. He's he's this job talking. Yeah, we got we got to get the shaka <laughs> to get to the parka. It's. I mean, wow, what a. What a turn! From, this is this you know, is after his Oscar, right? <laughs> yes, he did Roots, then he did Officer and a Gentleman, which that movie sucks, but he is awesome in it as the the uh, drill sergeant leading those Navy pilots through through boot camp and stuff. He won an Oscar for that, and then he turned around and did this. And it's it's been said before, and you say it again. It's different for African American actors. They get the payday jobs when they get the critical acclaim. They don't get to just do whatever they want to do, especially in the eighties. So I have a well, feeling it happened with Holly Berry. I mean, what happened to her after her <laughs> she Oscar? Be, she became Catwoman and, and a Bond. Yeah, girl, Catwoman, right? and then Jamie Foxx as well. He did stealth. So. Right, right, exactly. So it is the same thing over and over again. Well, you know, it just it just happens. And I guess I guess Denzel's kind of the uh, the the um, exception. Denzel kind of slow played it because he won an Oscar as a supporting role, and then he did some dramatic stuff, and then he. But Denzel's like done the action thing now. I think Denzel's doing the Liam Neeson. Yeah. even though he, he did do john was it john q or something after john q yeah oh my god is that Man. a bad movie that's a bad <laughs> film denzel's had his had his moments too and things like that but you know, denzel did crimson tide with, with uh hackman which is nothing but a cash grab michael bay piece of garbage but you know he's yeah, he's done good movies so, I like the pelican yeah. brief and stuff those are good yeah movies. yeah he's done good stuff and so but that's the thing lou, lou gossett yeah lou gossett jr is a fantastic actor and he is awful in this movie because the role is awful, but I cannot tell you that I wasn't entertained. Every oh, he, I, I'll give him credit. He screen. knew the type of movie he was in. Oh, yeah. I, I think he knew it, and I think he was just going there and having fun with it. Oh, totally. Yeah, he looks like him and McCorkendale look like the only people having fun because they look like they're having a blast. Like, oh, I, I think Dolphins were having fun, too. <laughs> Can you tell Cindy and Sandy? Can you tell me what Philip Fitzroy is supposed to be? Is he like a Geraldo meets Jacques Cousteau or something? Yeah, I think so. Maybe he's kind of like the uh, the crocodile hunter before the crocodile hunter was a thing. <laughs> he kind of does both, have that both, look. Yeah, 
both went out. <laughs> they kind of this, you know, screwing around with stuff they shouldn't have been screwing around with. But actually, I I kind of wish the you know it. You ever see the movie um, Alligator? Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, in like Alligator Two, I think it's like he's kind of like I've a character out of one of those. <laughs> oh, Alligator Two is fun. Um, I've never seen two. But, I've just seen the first. But yeah, yeah, Alligator Robert Two literally has the same character in it. <laughs> it's like it's, it's, instead of being like an instead of being an Aussie, he's a, he's a Cajun and he's like a big game, like kind of like a whatever. But I, I don't know. It's just I, I think the character's fun, and I really wish that instead of doing the Brody kids, it would have been someone like this. You know, where being kind of the main focus was doing like a Jack Cousteau, you know, kind of like a. He's kind of the Muldoon of Jurassic Park here too. Like if they had done that and combined him and the Brody character together, that would have worked, right? Like if you had the the park ranger and the biologist were friends or what or basically Jurassic World is what we're saying. If you had those those characters thirty years before, that's that would have worked here. See that, and, that, and you wanted. know me, I just love rewriting movies. But like, how much cooler would that have been if they would have like caught the great white shark and also like Mike Brody shows up and he's like this like shark hunter and everything. Where it's exactly like, I've I've seen these guys in action before. We have to kill it. You don't understand. I know, right? The, like you don't understand yeah. the uh, the nature of a great white shark. <laughs> I, I love that rant he has. Where he's like, "They're murderers!" I'm telling you, and I'm like, "Oh God, you couldn't make this movie now. It'd be Boycott City, man." <laughs> People, oh lose my their God, mind. yeah, you'd have PETA so, out there, like just freaking protesting it and everything. <laughs> I mean, it it's crazy town, right? So, but I, you know, I do have to say, of our cavalcade of cast here or whatever. They do have actors in place that realize, whether they, they're having fun or not, they realize how two-dimensional and cardboard they're supposed to be, and they just kind of go with it. I'll give Bess Armstrong this. At, you know, you see actors sometimes play characters, and you're like, there's no way. you're Like, Mark Wahlberg is a science teacher. I'm like, nah, that, that would never happen. You know, <laughs> like, no, he would be, you know, he'd be a history teacher maybe, but he'd be the coach. Like, that. Yeah, he's not that. She actually, like, I buy her in in this role. Like, she doesn't seem fake. You know, I'm like, I get it. You know, yeah, you're the biology lady and you're the fish expert, and you train the whales to do that awful, you know, minstrel show that they do now, and, and all that stuff. And you want to work at the Scripps Institute and be like taken seriously, but you've taken this job because it probably paid good. I kind of get that from her, and I like that. I think there's a little bit to that. The problem is, is Again, this movie is trying to be one of those towering Inferno Airport 79 movies with a shark in it. So it's got to spend this inordinate amount of time on the human characters so that when they get in trouble later, we somewhat care about them. The problem is, is I really don't. Like, I really don't care if any of these people live or die the entire film. Even Bruchard. I kind of figured he would get it at some point. No, I kind of like the opposite here where it's like, I want to see them all get killed. That, that that's kind of like after about the first like 20 minutes i'm just like yes i'm rooting for the shark i'm rooting for the shark I'm yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm saying is, yeah that that's the effect but that's but not here's what's the thing though it's as cheesy of a disaster movie is what they're trying to be it's like they missed the i don't know if the budget wasn't there but they missed a lot of really kind of what I'll call cool opportunities throughout this movie, but we'll get there when we kind of get to those scenes. So we have this underwater park with all of its attractions and we, the, the action really gets started when one of Brody's maintenance guys does exactly what his boss tells him not to do. Do not go in overtime. 
You know, he, no, he waits till well, everybody overtime. leaves. Yeah. Overtime. <laughs> he, would you love that jet ski, by the way, too, man? The, wow, that brought back memories. A little water, you know, stand up thing that Brody's running around on. And did he even make, did he even make those anymore? No, they yeah. don't. You can't, you can't even find those anymore. It's because they're incredibly unsafe. So, um, but anyway, but that was the first time I'd ever seen one. So I thought it was cool. But this, this moron, beefcake, whatever you want to call him, uh, what's his name in the movie? Uh, Shelby Oberman goes down by himself to repair a gate at dusk in the open ocean. Basically, that's when he, when he jumps down there and it's like he could see down there. I'm like, there's no way you could see down there at dusk. I'm like, there's no light hitting the water. I know. I'm like, what's lighting this, man? I was like, if you get near like a body of water, particularly oceanic water, even if it is Gulf water, which this is, I guess, is supposed to be Gulf or Atlantic water, if, depending on where you're going to re-put this in Florida, where it really doesn't exist. If it gets the least bit of not sunlight on it, and you go down three feet, it's dark. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's absolute blackness down there. But my thing is, like, he's not even going down there to fix it. He's just putting a chain around the fence, right? Right. He's not even fixing the track. He's just chaining it together. I'm why like, not chain it at the top? Well, better yet, why didn't he do that? Three hours ago, when his boss said, just chain the gate, he could have gone right down then and chained it up, and then they all went and got a drink at the bar and, and shoved each other over, you know, or whatever the hell the that thing, game though, was. But, but what, what track is there? This, this isn't a track fence. It's it's a, it's a gate arm. Oh, it's, it's supposed to be, and this is the thing, and I only know this because I looked up a little bit. This is a built lagoon, right? So this is all man-made. So that's only supposed to be like 30 or 40 feet deep right there. And there's a bottom part to it and a top part to it. And the gate has gotten offline. And it's gotten offline because the friggin' shark ran into it. I mean, that's what we found out is that it, what we'll find out is the, the mama shark is a 35-foot great white, which cannot See, biologically I, 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 exist. I am so confused right now with the logistics <laughs> of this. So maybe you can clear this up, okay? It, you have it? We get, we, get, we get a scene before this with the shark yes. entering. Am I right? Yeah. So the shark is in the lagoon at this point, correct? The shark is swimming in and out of the lagoon at this point. Oh, so he's going back and it forth. Followed, I thought he was in the lagoon. So It followed thought, the water skiers. She followed the water skiers, then came back in with them. And that's why the dolphins are like, F the lagoon, we're not going in there. But the thing, though, is when he goes down there to chain it, the shark eats him, and then the shark's going went back out then into the water, into the ocean. Is that what happened? I think what he's doing is he's on the ocean side because he's got a dock that he pops up on off of there, right? I think so. The shark. On, so the shark was in the lagoon earlier, and then yes. during some other amount of time, it went back out into the ocean, and now it's trying to go back in. Right, it's trying to get back in because it's either it either has given birth in the park or is about to give birth in the park. We're going to talk about that in a minute too because we have it. We don't know a lot about how great white sharks birth, but we know they don't do this. So I mean, they don't they don't uh, keep them around for several years. It's more like sea turtles. Like there you go. You know, because when a shark's born, it's pretty well operational at that yeah, point. I think they, I think even the, don't the mom sharks even eat the youngins sometimes too. They, if if ain't nothing else better around, so I mean, it's it's every shark for itself at this point. But yeah, it's a shark that, or, or a college kid. You know, they, they, they like to eat <laughs> eat their own. Beyond beyond that, beyond that though, that this guy's a moron. All right, I mean, a complete idiot because what he disobeyed his boss and he, he, I mean, I think Brody even calls it out that he broke the diver's rules. I'm like, yeah, you never go down without somebody not knowing that you're down there. 
That's like what happened to the dude in 127 hours. You never go rock climbing and not tell people where you're going. So, I, I mean, he, he gets it, and we see that arm floating out and all that. And, of course, that's so ooh, freaky looking or whatever. But Not um, as freaky as the catfish head in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you talk about mat lines. The, that arm mat lines were bad in this. But this guy is an idiot, and he is the reason all of this crap happens because he he had fixed that gate earlier in the day the shark would have had to give birth elsewhere and would have been like ah screw it and so you're saying on. he's the equivalent of the turret gun operator on the uh, on, on, a, on a star destroyer when it didn't shoot down the pod with c-3po and r2d2 he is the cause of everything that happens after yeah, this. if you had just i mean look i realized you had those, done your job those laser bolts cost money we're on a budget here but we don't know what's in that, so let's just make sure. You know, look, Hicks was right. You nuke the site from Morvid. It's the only way to be sure. And, it, yes, you fix the gate when your boss tells you to fix the damn gate. But, anyway, no, because now we get to go and, and play push each other over at the bar, which, what the hell is that? I've never understood. Were they trying to make that a thing? Or, you know, I wasn't old enough to go to bars at that point, so I don't know if it was a thing that they picked up on in a bar, but it seems like the dumbest thing ever. I don't know. It's might as well just go around playing grab ass at that point. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's so it's so dumb uh, i don't know I, we do a lot of dumb stuff at bars we used to play a game <laughs> called sack hit where you just like walk out you know with your guys in the group and when they're not suspecting slap your hands into their balls there, there's over. there are youtube videos of that so i yeah so um makes me thankful when i was going through that age and stuff that I, there weren't video cameras everywhere uh thank goodness uh not that i was involved in sack hit but anyway um <laughs> it's fun give it a try at your next christmas party i think i'll pass but uh, it does get an excuse to put leah thompson in that blue bikini which seems to be the only reason they hired her here this like this was the year that like she broke out she had all the right moves and this and then like you know later on she would do what back to the future and howard the duck and become like a real star and stuff and it's had a great movie career i like leah thompson i think for what she's supposed to be here as eye candy and stuff she, she works she's very pretty she, she's got a much better hairstyle than the chicks in the last she's one. she's one of those 80s girls where it's kind of like the molly Ringwall or even like you know like a jennifer gray where it's like yeah i saw her in a bunch of movies and then she just disappeared <laughs> no she still she still works man she's on television is she? Um, I don't know. Yeah, she's yeah. Not a, she, she's not on HBO. I don't really, really she, watch Yeah, she, well, she's, she hadn't made a Game of Thrones run yet, but, you know, I'm sure that's coming. So I think the only thing she didn't do was play a Bond girl at some time in the 80s, and it probably just missed her windows somewhere in there. I don't know how that didn't happen, but um, it, things you could use your time machine to go retroactively fix. She should have been in one of those Roger Moore ones. But anyway, we we have the shark now in the water and we now have to introduce celebrity video dude like i said is he the geraldo of jacques Cousteau photography i don't know but he really likes to drink at the bar and he's got that guy like his man friend servant that has the cockney accent can barely understand half the crap that dude says and i wonder if like they just fed him line at a time 
and he just sort of ran with it. And they're like, screw it. Nobody's going to listen to this guy anyway. But Jack <laughs> is his name. I love him. He's a great character because he, he's, I mean, when I was a kid, I was like, I have no idea what that man is saying. And now I'm like, I kind of caught every other word. Like, I really don't know what he says half the time. It's a thick accent. It's kind of like you've ever seen the movie Euro Trip where they're on the bus with the soccer <laughs> hooligans and the guy's just looking at him and goes, I got no idea what you just said. This is like a whole new yes. reality of profanity. But Yes, it, it's very much that. Or it's like watching, you know, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels or something like that or Snatch. And you're trying to figure out what the hell Brad Pitt's saying. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, but it works. You know, it's it's fine. So I I dig Jack for that. I I think he's been in other stuff I've seen too. But I do like Simon McCorkendale though. I think he's a fun character that gets kind of wasted in this movie uh, because he's really only there to hit on the doctor lady to get shot down and then to let's kill the shark. And then he's like, no, keeping it alive is better. We'll do lots of TV coverage. And I'm like, how does this guy guarantee all this TV coverage? Like he's. He's just the entertainment. He's just the talent. Like, is he so in demand that, like, the every, you know, uh, studio arm is going to bend over backward to try to pay top dollar for footage of a, of a shark? I guess so. I don't know. I mean, this is, this is when they get, like, is this, this is, this is before the baby shark, right? <laughs> well, this is when, this is when they are, they discovered there is a baby shark because, Catherine and Mike Brody go down in that little submersible uh, thing, which is some, you know, again, some nice underwater photography stuff. And the baby shark attacks as they're at one of the fake sunken ships or something like that. Yeah, I, I just, I was laughing because it was like, SeaWorld's got submarines. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, that little thing is cool, though. Actually, that was a real piece of equipment that they got to borrow and show off. I've seen that thing, like, work in other uh, seafaring films and in, like, nature documentaries and stuff. So apparently that was a real thing. It was something they used. Oh, I know it's a real thing. I'm just kind of laughing that it's like SeaWorld's got a submarine. (laughs) Well, I can see it. If if they're going to purport that they have all this underwater structure and stuff like that, you got to have some way of getting to it besides just taking a boat out and diving through it. You know, maybe you want to go. Yeah, they spent $32 million on that uh, underwater could, uh, could you cave even system. open up like a could you even open up like a second rate uh, fast food restaurant for $32 million nowadays? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I don't think yeah, you, Chick-fil-A wants more than that I to mean, start I, your own franchise. I mean, you got to I mean, you know, just the ground ride alone, I think would run you more at $30 million wouldn't wouldn't even get you a. A Sears home store, I don't think, but maybe in the eighties it was, I don't know, but it's like they built a city underwater almost. I mean, that, that's the, that's the other thing is you have to believe in a disaster movie that the thing where the disaster is going to take place is this greatest piece of architectural and engineering feat ever. And it turns out to be nothing but a friggin' death trap. And that's what this is. And there's a reason we don't have these kind of things because this is what would happen. <laughs> they would lose pressure and water would start to fill up and everybody would freak the hell out. And mommy, look, you know, a shark. Yeah, and the uh, the shark is is sort of being drugged towards them by something by a fishing line. So yeah, it, no, this would never like work. But it's a neat idea, and we get to see a ton of it again. I if I'm watching this movie and I'm trying to realize what I'm watching, it's this is the part of the disaster movie where I can like make a sandwich, I can dust the house, I can you know I can grade some papers, I can do other stuff because none of this crap matters. All I really need to know is when is the shark going to get here and start doing stuff? And oh, they get is, to But that. this is all the dramatic stuff, though, when 
they catch yeah. that, then they catch the baby shark, kind of in the same way from Jaws one with the uh, flotation devices on it. Well, no, th- th- I, I was getting to that. I was saying then they do get us to a good action point, and the the shark chase is pretty fun. The way that they go about doing it, and Brody's got to shoot the arrow, which is you know Friday the Thirteenth esque uh, that. Uh, dart coming at us and all that stuff i like how they catch the shark and then try to uh keep it alive the problem is they show us way way too many scenes of the shark being walked around the pool and crap like that like that yeah but you 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 miss like the funniest thing though when that when they initially ran into the baby shark and they get the uh, dolphins back in the cage when the shark rams into the dolphin cage (laughs) oh yeah that is hilarious rams the cage in its face like folds back because it's just made out of rubber in reality it would have probably gone through it because that was a pretty weak ass cage but you know I mean, shark can a shark that size, which you know we're supposed to think the baby's you know seven or eight feet long, probably still move at about fifty miles an hour if it wanted to. You know, yeah, I mean, that, that, that that shark grew fast. It's nothing. Well, it, you know what? They're born pretty big. Like shark, great they're white. They're not sharks, born at like ten feet long. They're not. That shark's not ten feet long though. It's it's really only about six or eight feet if you if you look at it in terms of when like Quaid's standing up next to it in the pool later. It's not like it's not any bigger than him if he laid it down. The, oh, you, the you, model. You mean anything. you mean the inflatable pool that they got from uh, <laughs> the like Walmart? Yeah, the it's, co- got, it's, it's it's got like little coral little coral reefs like drawn on the side with like little like Nemo fish. <laughs> Well, you got to make the shark feel at home. So, <laughs> I guess, you know, that's what sharks like to look at. I'm with you. I'm like, well, that's the dumbest thing ever. I don't. I guess that's for the dumb tourist. <laughs> yeah, and the shark is like sick. He's just like floating around <laughs> in there. Bare- he, like they're having to like pump air over his gills with a vacuum hose because he's so like, I just just kill me. <laughs> I mean, I just want to die. <laughs> I haven't. Oh eaten. my god, this sucks. <laughs> People are terrible. But if the shark could talk that would have only been the other thing but yeah that they they capture the shark and he rolls over they scr- yeah when it dies I mean, you got it man that is like the worst shark death ever he's like here i go i'm done world <laughs> it just sort of bellies up and at that point i'm like oh man this movie sucks i mean it's really starting to just just fall apart I just love it. it's, it's like have you ever had goldfish when they die they just kind of like belly up yes we should just do the same thing with this 10 foot great white shark just like whoop, he just rolls up well, on his belly i love how its head comes out as just to say goodbye world and then just sort of rolls over and then they jump in there with it because i'm like yes let's jump in the pool with the the man-eating animal cpr no <laughs> cpr for the shark oh really like i did expect Catherine to give it mouth to mouth i was uh, expecting them to like pull out like the uh the, the defibrillator the, the pat, the, yeah the paddles for the defibrillator and start shocking them and being like you know you guys are in water but this well hey they shocked the one that. last time and it turned it on fire so maybe they don't do that again you know they've already set that up but yeah no this is bad and like she jumps out and and uh simon mccorkendale of course is hanging around and she's like go ahead photograph it and i was just like it's it's a dead fish. I've seen one of those. I loved it even before this even happened, though, when they were talking about catching the great white. And then you got the Aussie where he's like, I want to kill it on TV. And, you know, you guys can do it. I'm thinking I'm like, yes, because that's what nature <laughs> nature programs want. They want a guy jumping in the water and killing a great white. Maybe shark. in the 80s they did, dude. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to judge, but I don't remember many nature docs at the time. Oh, my God. Could you imagine the Unilad freaking report- <laughs> article on that? <laughs> I don't want to. 
So, um, but I will say this: I love how he does this whole thing about Kelvin. They die magnificently, and then we see one die, and I'm like, no, it actually kind of dies like a bitch. I mean, it really doesn't die that magnificently. It just drowns. So, like any fish, it it dies, and it's terrible. And let's not watch that. It's it's awful. But the the big fun is coming though, because we we're no in- no I don't think anything's funner than a shark in a little pool when you have people around oh. it because you know that that's what you want to do you want people to put their hands in the water when there's a freaking shark right in there <laughs> no the be- the best thing though the big the turn of the movie when the fire sets and the inferno goes and all that stuff is the people are walking through the undersea Jonah thing or whatever which I'm like man that's a bold statement for a, a proper company to make a, a Judeo-Christian statement like that. You wouldn't do that nowadays either. But you've got the the Marine Fun House and the woman's watching the coral move or whatever, or the uh, the seaweed move in front of her. And then the, the Oberman body just floats up like a piece of barbecue at her. And I'm like, okay, that that's actually pretty neat because now we've turned this into a straight Friday the 13th movie. We found the dead bodies. They're hanging everywhere and we get the whole, I must see it. And they, you know, the bugs are crawling out of him. I'm like, where did this guy get attract roaches? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know if you ever went to like Disney World when you were a little kid, but uh, what they used to have at like the 2000, before 2000 leagues under the sea became Nemo is that over there, they used to have a restaurant you could go eat at. <laughs> that's and, twisted. <laughs> yeah. And, and like you, you could eat like in this restaurant and like you would sit at a table and there would be like almost like a like a porthole that you could look out to into the reef. And I remember eating there when I was a little kid and knowing this movie, I was always expecting like a dead body just to kind of like float by. <laughs> I actually had that thought, though, but it was we had portholes at our local Long John Silver's. But it was out in the middle of the the air, so I knew it wouldn't happen. But I thought about that. Yeah, you can look outside and go see all the cars drive by. (laughs) Exactly, right? (laughs) But uh, um, anyway, um, I'm not sure what was faker, the dead body or the fish I was consuming at the time. But either way... um, Oberman comes up. It's all tilapia. <laughs> it's all, yeah, boy, I'm going to tell you, the tilapia population must be something. But anyway. Poor man's lobster. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a catfish. But anyway, they uh, they realize, uh, or Catherine starts having this, oh, oh, freak out, like, psychic moment, where, like, without a tape measure or anything, this woman is a mathematical genius. She figures out the bite radius of what ate this man, despite the fact that he's been in the water for at least three days and there are more fish around there that have nibbled off of him. She figures out, no, it's a shark with a, a three-foot you know, mouth, and that would be a shark of 35 feet. And you know, she goes to tell Fitzroyce and Calvin this while they're having drinks at the underwater bar, because, yes, let's get people drunk 40 feet under the water, because <laughs> that's a good safety precaution. And then the shark shows up through the bubble screen, and I swear, Nick, the shark, like, grins at everybody. I mean, did you just see, uh, as it's growling, it's like, hi, I'm here. So, have you seen my child? I lost my child at the mall. It's kind of what the shark does. No, I was thinking like, like hey, can I have a drink? I'll take a stoli <laughs> on the rocks. So, it's warm out here in this water. So, I'm a cold fish. But yet, no, really, the sh- and, and that's when I realized I'm like, well, this movie is gonna is gonna suck completely. Now can it just be fun? Because this shark looks 
awful. This, this is the worst looking one of the four we've seen. You got to admit, this is the worst shark model. Yeah, it is. And even when we get later, when it's still they're showing like full body shots of the swimming in the water, it doesn't even move. <laughs> it's like the tail barely swipes. I'm like, that would not move this animal. Like sharks' tails are really powerful, but they move. Like you see, the, these things can bend. They're pretty amazing because they're not made out of bone. <laughs> you know, they're made out of cartilage. So they can twist in all kinds of different ways. And big ones. Like I've seen big sharks. We've seen video of this now. The GoPro has made the world open to us. But nothing ever this big, but even ones that are like really big, like 22, 23 feet, those things can still turn around on a dime and move. This shark moves like an, you know, a minivan on ice or something. (laughs) It barely can turn. It's, it's, it's like the first Batman costume, you know, it's, it can only turn the whole body turns. It's, it's amazing looking. Uh, and it's about as rubber. I think I mean it's pretty pretty bad, right? So oh, we yeah. get we get mayhem at the park now though because the shark has introduced itself to everyone downstairs. Yeah, and now the shark's just like <laughs> fuck it, they've seen me. Let's just go crazy. Let's just go and the first thing it decides it was, to do it, it is, was being all like incognito at first but then it's yes. like you know what all bets are off it's so, it's so easy to hide it shit up it's so easy to hide itself it's like the godzilla monster in the roland emmerich godzilla is like how the hell is that thing hiding even in new york city yeah. <laughs> well, but that's the thing though you look at like the size of the lagoon and everything like it's only 40 feet deep or whatever it is and like you see like the size of the people within those tunnels it's like how could this thing hide anywhere you'd see this thing everywhere yeah. Yes, the shark, gigantic shark. The shark is almost as long as the lagoon is deep. <laughs> that, that doesn't work. You know, like it would work, as, but the shark could never get up any speed to do anything. Because when it started to go up, it would be on the bottom. It'd be like, oh, yeah. shit. I mean, where to go? And I love how the shark is like, F it, and goes to the bumper boat rides. Because <laughs> it's like, you know what? Those things are annoying. <laughs> and decides to go after Sean Brody and Leah Thompson, who the man, I'm like, Leah needs to drop that dude because he's all like, I'm bored. I'm like, you need to be making out with that chick on the ocean right now. Just shut up. <laughs> right. So, and she gets like her, her thigh, like gets hit by a tooth. I think I'm like, how does she have a leg? How is she alive anymore? No one dies, Nick. All this attack happens. We go after the water skiers and we trip them. We, you know, we wreck a boat. That's the whole thing. The shark's not even trying to kill anybody. He's just trying to screw around with them. Like, it's just pissing everybody off. He's a bully at this point. Yeah, it's like he's not even going to kill anyone. He's just trying to tick everybody off and make them have a bad day. It's like the only thing the shark could have done to piss anybody off anymore was to pop up out of the water with a Make America Great hat on. I mean, really, that's all it needed to do. I mean, this shark, the shark was just being a dick to everybody which is amazing because it's a female shark so i i don't get what i i think this is where SeaWorld stepped in and said you can't kill anybody you can hurt leah thompson you can't kill anybody and they were like oh, damn that's gonna suck and nobody dies this whole time nobody else dies until well, the very one, very one end. one person dies yeah at the end the very end yeah that's what i'm saying but in none of the mayhem attack of the shark does anything bad happen and like Bruchard is like, lock the gate, close down the park. I'm like, no, you open the gates, you send everybody home, and you tell Brody, tell your guys to open every ocean gate we've got and let the damn thing get out of here. If you have a fly or a bee in your car. Here is the part where they miss the boat. Yeah. Let them fight. Let freaking Shamu out. (laughs) 
Yes, exactly. And can I you tell got, you? You got, you got like an 18, 20-foot killer whale in there. It's mm-hmm. like, let them out. Why can, did they not do that? I don't you think you, they- You could have had the logo of SeaWorld save the day. They did not have, one, the money to build the animatronic to get that to work right. And two, they- Oh, they, they spent like $6 on this shit. They could have spent another <laughs> they $6 did on the not, killer whale. They did not want anything but the humans to conquer the shark. That's pretty clear that they've set that up in these movies. But I'm going to tell you, somebody thinks like you, because when the PlayStation 2 and all those came out with the Jaws Unleashed movie, the first boss battle is you have to fight a killer whale and kill it to get out of the park you're trapped in. And somebody came up with that. And I'm like, see, now that's well, a it's, worthy again, adversary. it's so obvious to do. Right. If you don't have the money to do that, then don't even make the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, they do have those two dolphins, which dolphins can can kill sharks if they're if they're roughly the same size. That all those could do was do what they do to this shark, and that's piss it off. But they they do a good job of doing that. We haven't talked about Cindy and Sandy. They've been featured as much as anybody else here, and they get about as much dialogue as some of the people. <laughs> it's all in dolphin, but you know. They're saying thanks for all the fish, and hey, you know, we'll we'll play with your mechanical shark, sure. So, but at, um, but at this point, like, you know, maybe use the dolphins as bait or something. Open up the freaking <laughs> gates and have the dolphins run out into the ocean, and have the shark chase after some, something. So, well, I mean, that's the thing is they're locking down the park. I'm like, no, you get everybody out of there, and you open the gates up, and you flood the shit out of it. You're like, no, no, go away. You know, you do not want to fool with that, and then you just deal with the bad press that's about. Oh, well, how about just calling the coast? guard at this point you know what i mean like we got a 35 foot monster hey, shark you know i'm gonna what I tell mean? you let's, let's, let's bring the guys in here and just blow it out of the water look it was many years later but there were smart enough people to realize that the aliens versus predator requiem situation was at hand here and all that would happen is they would get nuked from above <laughs> so they weren't they weren't about to involve the military in this because that would that would everybody would die then so but that's the thing is there's there's a threat on life, but the shark has only killed one guy, and that's he was the douchebag diver that we didn't care about anyway. So Leah Thompson's leg is well hurt. And, until the until the Aussie though. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, that's coming. But I'm saying before we get to him and all that, that nobody's dead. Like the, the the shark does all this stuff, and all it does is just show up and scare the crap out of everybody. And granted, it's a good scare, but. There's like, did you? I'm asking, should they have killed off a bunch of people? Would that have made the yes, stakes better? Yes. Okay, yes. thank oh you. Because th- yes. I'm saying the same thing. Yes. Oh my god, they could have had someone in a bumper boat, and the shark comes up and eats the whole bumper boat. You know what I mean? You got you got water skiers. Why not have that thing just completely like demolish like you know the pyramid of like water skiers and just like eat them up? Or I don't know, just do something crazy. Have them eat eat eat. eat Eat some do- more doll. Have him eat a dolphin. <laughs> I-, I don't know. Just have it do something different. You know what I mean? This is something have- the Sharknado movies get right: is that they kill off a whole lot of people. Like there's, oh yeah, yeah. They figured that you know, you, out. You, you could have Frankie Muniz there, and it eats Frankie Muniz. I mean, or it could something. Have done something crazy like that, <laughs> right? Exactly. Or this play, I guess it would have been John Ritter and the Three's Company girls could could have get, been. But that's the thing is, like, you you look at Jaws, like the first one. And it did two things in that movie that are like, you know, supposedly like horror things like that are taboo. It ate a kid and it ate a dog. And it's like, why are we like going in reverse and like thinking like, oh, we can't even kill anybody anymore. I mean, I get the whole SeaWorld aspect or something. But if that was a problem, I don't know how much money SeaWorld gave to this movie as far as budget goes. But it's like if you're going to have like the setting be a a deterrence as far as 
what you can and cannot do. Don't make it SeaWorld. Just make it like Ocean World or some <laughs> shit like that. You know what I mean? I, it's I like, think I think you hit on it. I think their involvement up to a point limited what could be done. And I think, too, you had to understand that the movie had, just like the last one, had started out in a different direction. And so now they were trying to meet a deadline to get it out. And there just was no creative forces really trying to do anything interesting on this. I honestly think that this shark, and I, I'm, I do not mean this in any negative thing, I think the shark is mentally handicapped. I really do. Because it can't even eat its food properly, okay? <laughs> it can't. It's like it's like watching like a five-year-old eat spaghetti and it's got sauce all over its face. And it's like, just eat normally. You know what I mean? You got a noodle hanging out. And it, that's what happens too. And, you know, the Aussie guy gets in there and he's going to go kill the shark. The shark doesn't even swallow him. He's like chewing him like a piece of bubble gum. Well, you, we're going to talk about the Aussie guy death in a, in a minute because I want to talk about Fitzroy's death because it does set up something. But you're right about something. That second shark in Jaws 2 or the, the Jaws 2 shark was just a killer. It was just a slasher and it was just mean as hell, but it wasn't stupid until the very end when it decided to eat electricity, but it wasn't dumb. This shark is menacing and dumb. Like it's as dumb as everybody else in this movie is. And that's the problem. The fire in the towering inferno and the, you know, the crisis on the airplanes and all that stuff in those disaster movies, <clears throat> those things work like they're supposed to. Cause generally, especially if like they're earthquakes and things like that, they're pieces of nature, right? So they do what they're supposed to do. Jaws three, the natural disaster, the shark is just as dumb as everything else. And it makes the dumbest decisions it possibly can. It follows Fitzroyce, who's wearing a red wetsuit and has a little blood, into a filtration pipe so that they can lock the door behind it. So that they can... I mean, it won't drown in there, but Calvin's right. He's got the right idea. Turn the pump off and drown the thing. It would kill it in like a minute. I mean, the shark would it, the shark would probably break the hell out of it, too, because a shark that can't swim, like we've talked about, will destroy stuff in front of it. But at least that's the right idea. Calvin's the only one who has any good ideas this whole time. Simon McCorkendale gets down there, and he doesn't get the hell out of the water as soon as he can. He's like wants to take another picture of the shark or something, and his rope breaks, and that's what gets him eaten. But it's like half of him well, take, gets pitch, stuck take in the teeth. Take the shark after he's dead. I mean, yes. it's like a 35 great wood you know, gr great white shark. I mean, this thing's like a freaking freak of nature. They don't get that big. It's like, yeah, yeah just take pictures of it when it's dead. I know. It's like, it's going to be dead anyway. Like that's, this is, that's the ridiculous part of this. And then he and getting does, pictures of it in like in a tunnel. What is that going to do? You know I know. I mean? Right. What is anybody going to buy? And then the thing is, is though, and you're right. It, and it's a neat idea to have the inside the mouth. If it didn't look so bad, you know, we knocked that Anaconda movie for a lot of things and it deserved it. But the best thing it had was the inside of the snake, like opening up when it was going to eat John Voight. I thought that was actually cool. It's a good idea. This is awful because the felt teeth are just sort of folding over and you got that big tongue in the way and i'm like sharks don't even have one of those <laughs> I, think, I don't think sharks have tongues do they, they don't they don't it's just more muscle to push down they don't they don't stick it out at you as they're coming by i'm like no that's that's not how that works but it's almost like he gets stuck in the back there like a piece of popcorn you know, and that yeah, arm he's, with he's that like, grenade. He's like, he's like a piece out. of like rib meat that's like caught between your molars back there and you can't get it out. But yes. thankfully it didn't like chomp down on the grenades that he has. <laughs> I, yeah, that's the other thing. I'm like, it's eating him, but it didn't blow the grenades it already had. 
Um, and I know we don't want to do that now because that would kill the climax of this movie. But, it, you know, we, ha- we have to accept certain things when the Jaws demise is going to happen. We had to accept that it would just be sort of chewing on a, uh, a compressor tank like a cigar and, and smile and get shot. We accept that it would eat the uh, um, power line and catch on fire. So I guess we have to accept that it would leave an arm and a hand with a grenade hanging out there for Brody to pull the pin later. I think but. most of his body is still on the side of his mouth, isn't it? Well, I mean, it is kind of like he's flavor saving it back there. It's like he's got a piece of chaw. He is. In the back. It is. He's he's like, <laughs> it's like chewing tobacco at this point. It's like it's, me, maybe this shark is like one of those old school ladies that like did snuff, and that's what yeah, she's got going it's on back there. Aussie wintergreen. That's he's, what he he's, has. He's got a good flavor. Gonna keep him. Yeah. So maybe she develops his accent as she eats him. See, that would have been awesome <laughs> so. though, if like if if the uh, shark had like a Gatorade bottle that he was spitting the, the blood back into. <laughs> Can you bring me a cup, please? <laughs> Put a little paper towel in the bottom of it. But we we get out because Brody and, and uh, never the shark gets out. This, the breakout is what's amazing. The shark basically just goes in reverse and beats the lock to death <laughs> in the back. Sharks cannot swim backwards. <laughs> All right, that's like a thing that would actually kill one. That's how you can drown one. It's grab it by the tail and go the other way. If you got the boat to do it, you've just won. You know, and that which is essentially what they were trying to do in the first movie. They were just going to tie off all those dang things and drag it to the yeah. But the shark's got a tongue though. It probably put his tongue out of his <laughs> mouth and just did like kind of like a flip flop pattern to push itself out. Well, it does something later because it, once it gets out, it goes after Catherine and Mike because it can smell the underwater welding, and it like gets its is it like a tooth stuck in the door. It's <laughs> just trying to open the door. I, I, th- but here's the point, though. The, I mean, the thing I just don't get at this point is, okay, you got like everybody basically out minus the people that are in that middle section. You know, it's like, why don't worry about getting those people out and then just get the hell out of the water? You know what right. I mean? Come, on, come up with come up with a plan. It's not like really like times your enemy here where it's like, oh, my God, we got this gigantic monster here and we got to kill it before it gets out of the park. Gets out of the park. It's in the ocean. Who cares then? You know, leave, leave it to that being. But it's just like. The whole, the whole like urgency of like trying to stop this shark at this point is like just so strange. It is like they've hit the panic button on something that doesn't need it. You're right. Because Mike and Catherine go back to central control and then here comes the shark slowly moving at them. And I got to say, I have a vivid memory of seeing this in the theater and it looks much cooler than what it looks like now when that shark hits the glass and the glass and the water all come at you and everything. That was a neat effect. It totally does not translate into home viewing. I, I, oh I haven't God, seen this in 3D, that, but that I would. That might be one of the worst special <laughs> effects I've ever seen in a movie. I mean, it's a it's laughable. That, it's actually one of the earliest memories of this movie I have. I remember I was watching this. And like my dad walked in at this scene, it was just laughing at the shark coming to hit the water and just like the slow motion where it's just like, <gasps> everybody's oh, yeah. mouth is open. And then like the glass shards break through and everything. My, my question too is like, why is the control room underwater? Right. That I didn't why? get either. Why? What is the point of that? I, I don't get it. What are they watching? Like what, what could they possibly be observing besides the fact of like, this is pretty cool. To me, that's just like a freaking big, gigantic waste of money. Maybe money that they should have put in putting better welds and bolts in their underwater, you know, tank in like yeah, walking. Maybe system. make the gate a little bit better. I don't know. Maybe put the gate a little further outside of the direct entry to the lagoon so that in case something gets in, you got a double wall, like have a moat. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, know a, cha- a chain link fence, you know, something that you could pick up at Lowe's is perfectly, well, that's, you know, that's that, pretty that's well the what they got. Kit. 
They, they have no, a that is that, that is a, that is the gate. It's just a chain link <laughs> yeah. fence. It's terrible. Yes. It's and it's shot in a pool, and that's why it looks that way. So I I will tell you though, man, uh, this is where the funny thing start happening as the shark sort of juts in and out outside the claymation looking shark. You know, yeah. <laughs> they keep cutting. He's to. like he's like and humping the. the <laughs> it is room. like he's humping the control room as he goes in to try to eat. Now Calvin saves the random woman in the back, but his nephew, who we have set up, um, Fred, gets chomped to bits and turns into a bloody cloud of goo there in front of us. But the shark doesn't even eat him; like it spits him out. Like there's a there's a scene where the shark chomps and then just drops Fred. And so, because if he had eaten him, you would have think it would have dislodged McCorkendale in there too, right? So at least I had always thought that like, how did that not happen? There's actually a shot of Fred's body falling away from the fake shark mouth as it turns around to eat something else. Uh, he so, just, I guess he didn't like the way he tasted. I don't I, know. I don't know, man. It maybe, maybe it was something, maybe he'd eaten too much. You know, we've already talked about the shark has a, a complex about itself. Maybe so it, maybe it's, it's trying to watch the weight. It's already huge. I mean, it's big yeah. boned or it's, whatever. It's, so. it's bulimic at this point. He's just <laughs> eating a Persian. Well, he's already, he's already mad. You know, he's, it's, it's, it's all a suicide message at this point because it's head stuck in the control room. It's not going anywhere because it never swims back out and comes back in for another run. You know, it's like it's stuck. So it's just sort of hanging out and semi-hump in the area, which means it would be drowning and dead. But uh, they decide, no, I see that you see the, the grenade into there. Dennis Quaid points dramatically as music pumps behind him. And we go with, okay, I'm going to get a random piece of metal from somewhere in here, and I'm going to pull the pin on the shark uh, grenade because that's what we want to happen, right? How, 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 big, how, how big is the grenade? About the size of your fist? Well, he, and- he does a, a, a explain it as it's... It's a certain grade of claymore or something like that, and I actually no, thought, I'm, I not, thought, I'm not, I'm not dis- disregarding, yeah. you know, how how big the explosion is, but the fact that he can see that, I mean, all that stuff's going on. You got a 35 foot shark with probably like a what a 10 foot biting radius, and he sees like the little grenade in the back. Well, it's it's a three foot bite radius. Let's be let's be fair. It's a yard across. So, but you're right. He see, he sees something the size of a Pepsi can, but it is painted yellow. So. You know, it does stand out for that reason, maybe. He's only got know. a three-foot bite radius. How is that guy still in his mouth? I mean, I, come on. I mean, I'm I, only I measure going shoulders with from what shoulders. It's got to at least be 20 inches, you know, <laughs> for the skinniest guy. So that, that that's over half his bite radius. I, I know. I'm just saying that, you know, that that's what they've told us in this movie. So I can only go with what they've laid on us at this point. But Brody pulls the pin. They huddle behind. And we do get a pretty massive explosion of shark guts and things flowing at us and i have to say the teeth hanging there and stuff that that looked cool in the theater and it's still i'm like ah, okay that that's what i wanted to happen i mean that's what has to happen at the end of the disaster thing i want to see that you know i want to see godzilla blown to bits like that that's what this is so fine there we go and if it had just ended there I think I would be like, okay, fine. But we get five more minutes of screwing around on the surface waiting for some dolphins and some really bad music to go with it. And at that point, I'm like, ah, I didn't need any of this. And the fact that they super I, I, I the love dolphins. that this movie only had like one dolphin recording because those <laughs> dolphins make the same sound every time. And I guarantee you they didn't even go out and got that. They got it from Flipper. Remember that show? They yeah, got that noise stock. from Flipper, and they just kept on hitting that on repeat. You know, whoever was the sound editor for this, he's just like, oh, hit the button, you know, with the sound. Because the dolphins make the same goddamn noise throughout the entire movie. 
<laughs> well, that and they superimposed them over the actors because they couldn't get them to jump close enough, I guess, at the end because they make perfect symmetry there at the end. And I'm like, it's almost like there should be a banner across the screen like, thank you for visiting SeaWorld, come again. <laughs> I mean, that's really how the movie ends. Because I'm like, well, you're both out of jobs now. Every, but this park is going to close down. What jobs you thought you had in Venezuela are probably gone now. You're both, you're both done. So, See, and, and that, what they should have done is the Avengers-style ending where like after the credits you know quaid and her sitting at a bar and like what are we going to do and all suddenly hooper comes walking in you guys are sharking for a living (laughs) hey you got a mission for you guys what you ever heard of the jaws initiative (laughs) the stinger scene what if only marvel could have gotten their crap together 30 years before but oh well oh well well you know what we do have hope for that i mean dc does have a character called king shark so (laughs) i didn't know know. yes he's a half shark half guy well that that's about as half good as any of their movies have been so i'm expecting that one in theaters soon but i guess it's time to pull the pin on this one nick final thoughts recommendations popcorn ratings what are yours for jaws 3 well during our last show, I had mentioned that I thought Jaws 2 was the better of the sequels, and I'm going to say it's kind of the same as this one. <laughs> I was watching this movie, and it's it's fucking stupid. It is bad, but <laughs> some of the bad stuff is kind of funny, and you know it's unintentionally funny, but to me, it's it's worth watching as like just one of these bad popcorn movies where you just want to laugh at something. You know, you can't you can't find a good comedy on Netflix and just put on Jaws 3. I mean, it's just as good as anything like Judd Apatow's done in his last like three movies. So you can sit there and you can just laugh at this. And to me, I think it's it's a medium popcorn as well. I just I, I think the uh the funny bits outweigh some of the bad stuff. And plus you get Leah Thompson in a in, in a bikini, which is always uh which which makes it better than, you know, the girls in Jaws 2. So at least you got something to look at. And plus, dolphins are kind of cute. So you got that going as well. So to me, medium popcorn, I mean, you got a shark humping a control room. So how do you beat that? <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on the medium popcorn. And it's because as a disaster film, this one delivers right along the lines is what I would expect for it. You can almost completely ignore anything that happens the first hour of this movie yes yeah, skip, skip the first hour really i yeah. mean fast Turn- forward leah thompson in a bikini fast forward again just get to the shark smiling in, <laughs> in, in, in that room and i think you're, you're good just go you get a I mean, little really, half hour yeah. episode yeah yeah if you if you've seen this movie before really you could just turn it on and then go do other things and come back and watch the last act because that's the part that's worth it it's the delivery point and i'll say once again they they really can't set up anything good but that last act they know how to deliver and this movie delivers in that area and yes it's dumb and it's, it's it's the dumbest thing ever, but it's unintentionally funny. It's not the it, dumbest thing ever, Jay. It's we the dumbest thing we've seen in a Jaws movie so far. Let's say that. So far. So, but it does have the satisfying end. And so I'm going to give it medium popcorn for the same reasons. I think it will be. Uh, I, I, I think it is a, a enjoyable enough watch for like a good, you know, 
Sunday afternoon matinee after football season's over and you don't really want to get into your NBA season. If this is on, take a nap on the couch, wake up, watch the last 20 minutes of it, and you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It is like an NBA game. Just save it for the fourth quarter. The <laughs> other three quarters really don't matter anyway. Really? So. Unless you're a diehard fan, you're right. Or if you're at the game. Like, that's, yeah, you're, you're right. That's, you show up for the end and, and you're good. Well, I got to ask, though, I mean, the first two movies that they made you scared to go in the water, this would kind of make me kind of comfortable going in the water because <laughs> the shark ain't going to do anything to you. It's just going yeah, like, to kill you. Maybe yeah. screw around with you a little bit, you know, kind of hit your bumper car. You know, you might get a scratched leg, but you know what? I'm pretty confident going in the water with the shark now. If there's a chance that I'm going to get to hang out with Leah Thompson and I'm that age and I'm single, oh yeah, I'm going in the water. So all day, I'm getting over my fear real quick. So, But obviously they had different plans. I cannot wait to talk Jaws the Revenge with you, my friend, because I have a feeling that's going to be a really interesting discussion because I know way more about that movie than I really should. And it's because it came out of the time when I got super obsessed with it. <laughs> and uh, novelization, the game, uh, we'll, we'll talk about all of that next time. I can't wait to get back and talk about Are you talking Jaws about Shark Revenge. Attack, the game, where you that, that game with the shark going around the board and you got to move your minnows? Nope. I'm talking about the NES Jaws the Revenge game. So uh, we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, notice that new one that they came out with at Christmas time. That that ain't in the thirty classics, folks. So you, you want to play that? You got to play the the ROM version online, or unless you still own a copy of it. But I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> I think you're going to have a good time with that. We'll certainly enjoy it, folks. Thanks for joining us on this latest edition of Filmstrip. You can find all of our past episodes on our iTunes feed and also um, on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com/slash/movies. Leave us a review on iTunes. Let folks know about the show. We appreciate your support. Until next time, for Nick, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. <laughs>